Hello everyone, this is Jim Lucy, Editor-in-Chief for Electrical Wholesaling and Electrical Marketing. In today's EW Executive Insights Podcast, we'll be talking with Christian Sokol, the President of Discorp, about the science and art of market forecasting and what type of economic conditions he sees for the electrical market for the rest of 2021. Christian, thanks for coming on with us today. I thought maybe we'd kick things off by uh, telling the listeners a little bit about your background. I was looking at your bio on the Discorp website today, and uh, gosh, I knew you had done a lot in the wiring cable. I knew you'd lived all over the country, but I kind of forgot you've been all over the country from the, sounds like some business up in the North Slope of Alaska, the oil business, to uh, Kentucky, down to Houston, and all points in between. So why don't, why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey? Okay, thanks, Jim. I appreciate it. Yeah, I started my career as a uh, uh, an inside and counter salesperson in Spokane, Washington, for a small family-owned distribution company, mm-hmm. and and from there um, I moved to uh, Phoenix, Arizona, and got into the wire and cable business, uh, servicing pretty much the entire Southwest: Arizona, New Mexico, California, Colorado. Uh, you know, kind of learning the ins and outs of of that whole area. Uh, from Phoenix, I moved to Atlanta, Georgia, and handled the southeast region, including Georgia, Carolinas, Florida, uh, Alabama. Learned a lot about the pulp and paper industry and a lot about uh, phosphate mining and, and some of the activities in that area. From, from there, uh, I moved to Charlotte, uh, North Carolina, and, and managed the Charlotte office for Houston Wire and Cable. Uh, I think I had the entire southeast region. Uh, there. So uh, I learned a lot about the distribution channel and uh, just the entire electrical market. And from Charlotte, I moved to Chicago, Illinois, and and worked uh, up to a regional vice president spot. Um, And from there, I moved to Memphis, Tennessee as division president for one of the heavy lift groups. And that was a national uh, position for Mm P&L. And um, then I moved to Houston, where I am today, as the National Vice President of Business Development for Houston Wire and Cable and all its subsidiaries. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the one thing, Jim, that, that that I think this has done for me in, in moving around the country, it's, it's given me really good perspective on the economic differences of the regions, the challenges and perspectives, and, and I really think that adds value, uh, not only to the work that I do, but to, to the partners that I participate with. Mm-hmm. You know, is there anything, you know, this will maybe kind of bridge your background of wire and cable to a, 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 the really broad perspective that you certainly have with this today. Uh, anything specific about wire and cable that made it either either a lot harder or a lot easier maybe to forecast or work with the market uh, data regarding it? Well, certainly, you know, copper is a challenge, especially as we see right now, mm-hmm. but, but it always has been. So um, you, you need to look with wire and cable specifically, you need to look at things in more than one direction. It's just not how many dollars did I sell this year? Uh, it becomes dollars, feet, pounds. Okay, yeah, so sure. Mm-hmm. We do need to, to understand that there are more than one way to look at things, as, and it's not just wire and cable. Mm-hmm. We can look at uh, entire product groups in more than one way and, and understanding that, hey, maybe we need to step back and take a fresh perspective is a, is a good thing in learning the business and working with wire cable and, and incorporating and starting to work with market data. When did your first really, uh, I mean, you obviously love this part of the business. When did your mm-hmm. first start really geeking out, so to speak, on market data? <laughs> well, 
Truth be told, it was time spent in the library when I was an outside salesperson. Okay. Libraries are great resources, mm -hmm. and so are chamber of commerce and business development offices. Mm -hmm. And in, in doing that as a young salesperson, as well as a regional manager, and again, as a regional vice yeah. president, I, I learned the value of data gathering, mm -hmm. uh, using some consistent methodology, and um, you know, finding leads and opportunity and, and getting market perspective just by doing a little bit of research. You know, I, I always found that an afternoon in the library was um, worth way more than any order I may have lost to be there in terms of picking up new opportunity. I know you worked with DISC, you know, as a customer before the uh, before you went to uh, the Biden business from Herm Eisenstein. What, what appealed to you about the you know, DISC you know, when you were looking at uh, making a career change and uh, purchase, purchasing the business? So in the early 2000s, when I when I met Herm, it was like, you know, for, for a guy who'd been digging around on his own, uh, being introduced to Herm was like the holy grail of market data. Mm -hmm. So, and I think because of that, he and I connected very quickly and we worked really well together. Uh, mm -hmm. Herm and I just had a blast. We spent a lot of time giggling and, and you know, figuring stuff out. And I, I asked him uh, very poignant questions and he just all around great guy. Mm -hmm. And, and Herm has, had and has, we still use his models, mm -hmm. uh, unique modeling for the electrical forecasting for the industry that, that over time has proven to be very reliable. As you yourself know, you, you benchmark your forecast against the disk forecast and, you know, typically we're pretty close together. So, um, and it, over time, you know, the, the disk forecasts have become the, the primary market sizing tool for, for the community. And I, I just, I'm just very impressed and, and thrilled to be a part of that. You know, I was thinking back at your time at Houston Wire and Cable. I mean, certainly uh, Terry Hunt, when he started the company, was probably one of the really true and really most interesting uh, entrepreneurs in the business. Certainly, I know you work with some other great uh, folks there, some of the executives like a John Myers, and I, yeah. I got a chance to know Buddy Boyd and some of the other guys at the Houston Wire and Cable over the years. But was running your own business uh, ever been something you've wanted to do for a long time? Jim, I, I'm not sure that we ever really do own our own business, right? Sure, I'm the primary investor in DISC, but meta metaphorically speaking, businesses are, are living things that serve customers uh, in, in ways that provide continuing value. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the, it's really the, the customers, the clients, the community, and I, I use that term community. What I'm really talking about is distributors, the manufacturers that support them, and the agents that serve as a bridge. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's really those people that drive the business forward. Sure, at the end of the day, maybe I'll uh, have some financial reward of, of being the caretaker of this business. Mm -hmm. But um, uh, and throughout my career uh, in management roles, you, you kind of are uh, an entrepreneur and kind of own your own business. So I, I don't think much changed in terms of um, my overall uh, path. Mm -hmm. um, the one thing that was really important to me as I was working with Herm, you know, I came to understand that, hey, he was not a young man. He was in his uh, mid 80s. Mm -hmm. And it was like Herm, the, as an industry, we, we can't, we just can't lose this resource. Mm -hmm. So he and I worked out a succession plan that allowed me to take over the business and remain focused on the original vision and mission for DISC. And at the end of the day, that's that's what we want to do. I want to uh, 
obviously I want to grow the business. I want to create some new things, which we're doing and do every day. But I would also like to keep the legacy that Herm created and the intention for serving the community uh, alive and well. You know, I guess you've uh, seen, you know, having come up through the ranks yourself, you know, and, and have been, been working with, with this now for several years. And I, I know Herm, Herm would often talk about the different people that he came in contact with through the business. And if you've got your folks that kind of came up, much like yourself, perhaps coming up through working uh, the counter, the warehouse, sales positions, manage, local management, got your people that might have come in from the outside. I, you know, occasionally you'll run into, you know, somebody that came in from the, the far outside, maybe corporate Mark. I remember some folks who came in through the uh, Southwire business. I'd come up through Procter & Gamble and they had a whole different yeah. understanding of market data, maybe how to look at the market as far as the, uh, when you're looking at the statistical analysis. What, what is the, you know, what's kind of common denominator, you know, when you're looking at the various folks that you come in contact with that are using this data or considering using it, what's some, some of their, what is their basic understanding of the market? And how do you try to build on that? Well, you know, it, it becomes a real short answer from an executive. Um, you know, market data in general needs to be consistently calculated. It needs to be useful. It needs to provide insights. It has to be su sustainable and reconcilable year after year. But that's, you know, really kind of the core of, of, of what the community is looking for in, in their market data. Uh, probably not as long an answer as, as we would have liked there, but certainly uh, <laughs> how, I, how I see it. Sure, sure. You know, you've got your, to me, it's always that I know with the, uh, some of the market data we provide, some of the analysis tools, you know, you, you've got your data. And, but then the big thing is getting people to know how to use it. And that's always been, I know something we've talked about. I know something I've talked about, had talked about with well, Herm over the years. I've been, you know, looking at some of the things that you provided in just really a couple short years, you've added a lot of new tools here that you kind of, you've got the engine of the data there, but, and you're providing them some new ways to, you know, access that data and implement it, get it a, a customizer for their own business. Why don't you give our listeners today a little idea about some of the tools that you've developed recently? Sure. So, um, you know, Herm was the data guy. There's no doubt about it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my perspective, it, it kind of goes off a, 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 in a little bit of a different direction in that I want people to be able to answer, to start with four specific questions. How big is the market that I'm in? If I'm in a state or national or county, uh, how, how big is that market for the electrical distribution community? How many dollars are available in total? What is my share of that market? Not just market overall, but also by vertical, construction, industrial, utility, and institutional or commercial. And how and where do I find opportunity in areas that I don't have a great share percentage? And then finally, do I have the resources to cover that gap so I can work towards uh, gaining that share? Where do I find maybe specific industries that I can chase into and chase after. And, mm -hmm. and then once those things are answered, um, we can look at resource allocation, uh, territory alignment, acquisition potential, uh, markets for product groups, all those sorts of things. Now, what we've created in uh, data search is some additional data visualization tools. We've segmented market track by the market verticals to help identify opportunities. And we also do a lot of one-off visual, uh, either Excel, Power BI, or Tableau custom reporting for those distributors, mm -hmm. reps, manufacturers that may not have 
the resources of a full analytic staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we provide that here as well now. So as you, as you get talking with people about the uh, market, the data out there, are there any like big misconceptions that you have to you know, dispel perhaps as far as uh, understanding the size of the market, the key players, you know, we, we keep, I, I know through electrical wholesaling, you know, sometimes you'll get talking with people and they always want to know how big are some of the alternate channels, uh, the Amazons and all that. And it, it's sometimes it's bigger than they think, sometimes it's smaller than they think, but that's something we have. Also, the number of distributors is something that always comes up. How many distributors are out there? And there's a lot of numbers out there, but I'm just curious from your perspective, do you have questions that keep coming up? They're like, wow, where did that come from? It's, it's yeah. a little, yeah, yeah. I do. Yeah. Uh, you're absolutely right. And yeah. our, our data sets are pretty cut and dry because they're they're all sourced from government data. Mm-hmm. Our uh, origin data comes from the U.S. Census Bureau, mm-hmm. the uh, Federal Reserve Economic Data, the FRED, and mm-hmm. the Bureau of Labor and Statistics. That's our prime. Those are our primary data sources mm-hmm. for the um, So to answer those questions becomes relatively easy with a narrow window, and mm-hmm. DISC focuses exclusively on the full line electrical distributor market. Mm-hmm. So. In our forecast, we exclude, uh, sorry, Granger, but you're not in our forecast. Mm-hmm. Amazon is not included in there, nor is Home Depot or Lowe's or mm-hmm. anyone who identifies outside of a full line electrical wholesaler is not in our forecast. So mm-hmm. our, our this year, our $114 billion number is exclusive to the electrical distribution community. Nice. That makes it uh, very understandable for, for, the, uh, for your users and our listeners today. Yeah, it's been. Does it seem like the last year has been particularly crazy for you when forecasting with COVID? You know, with people trying to figure when's when's the turnaround coming, how long is it going to stay, all the pricing things. Why don't you give us some insight into so, uh, what your world's been like uh, in recent months? <laughs> yeah, it's, it has been a ride over the last fifteen months. You know, when when quite expecting all of that, and you know, in addition to the Black Swan event of COVID, mm-hmm. we also had the oil price problem earlier in the year that that you know, really obfuscated the economic outlook, not to as large a degree as COVID, but certainly played a part in in the overall economy. And as you know, Jim, we publish a monthly flash report and forecast that, that is a great resource to, to keep up with the changes in the economic conditions, because mm-hmm. the forecast over the last 15 months has, has changed uh, pretty much every month. Mm-hmm. So, you know, because you, 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 you can't see how many people are going to get vaccinated? You can't see the supply chain problems coming up. All you can do is leverage those, you know, as you move forward to help narrow the decision window down uh, going forward. So uh, the, the flash report, uh, frankly, combined with your electrical marketing newsletter, together, those are powerful tools to, to keep up with economic activity on a monthly basis. So I, I don't think the pandemic really made it harder to forecast. Mm-hmm. I think it just made it less sure of the confidence level in, in, in such a rapidly changing environment. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing that we did do uh, during all of this is, is we teamed up with uh, David Gordon and Channel Marketing Group to do uh, some market surveys throughout the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I think you actually participated in some of those. Yep. Sure. Yeah. And, and I think we did three or four surveys and then published that data to mm-hmm. respondents and made it available to others on demand, mm-hmm. which, which I think was very helpful to the industry in, in, in terms of understanding their position against the rest of the market. Mm-hmm. Am I doing the right thing by keeping people home? Mm-hmm. Am I doing the right thing by, you know, uh, having my counter picked up at the curb? 
and, and what impact is that having on my, my sales according to the forecast? So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a strange environment. I'll, I won't say I'll be glad when it's over. I'll be glad when it's over just to get it all behind us. Mm -hmm. But it, it's been it's been very interesting to work through this. Right. Yeah. Have, have you picked up at any point uh, where some maybe the, the tone of the conversations you've had with some of your uh, customers and potential customers has changed where maybe they're feeling like, OK, we kind of got to we've got a handle on this now where we don't anticipate any big future surprises, uh, economically speaking. You know, I, I talked to some customers that, that have said to me, you know, it's amazing how uh, closely our business is paralleling uh, your forecasts. Never would have thought that to, to be the case through all of this. But um, and then we've had customers who uh, just want it all to be over. Yeah. And, and of course, there are, are those that are, are looking at the boom of this year uh, without considering the impact of the inflationary crisis to the overall performance of their businesses. Yeah, well, that's so, what I was going to ask you about. You know, we had, you did wrote a great article for us in our uh, May, June issue about the uh, pricing environment. And uh, it's kind of, you know, we went through one crisis with COVID, hopefully finishing up now, but the pricing thing was, was pretty wild. You know, we do that electrical price index and electrical marketing, and I, I'd never seen some of the increases that we've seen. And uh, what's your take? Where, where, where do you see pricing settle down? I, I know it's, 20, so many different product categories, each one's got its own pricing scenario. But generally speaking, where, where do you see things going on that? So, you know, we saw a similar in inflationary environment in the electrical distribution community in 2008. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, we were talking about overall average uh, prices of like nine to 10% increase. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, now we're for this year, we're disc is forecasting 10.1% price increases for 2021. Wow. So, yeah. you know, the easing will start in the beginning of the quarter of 2022. Mm -hmm. You know, we have some labor shortage problems, mm -hmm. rightfully so, supply chain issues, not only here in the States, but overseas, mm -hmm. and commodity shortages uh, that are driven by pent up demand and labor shortages mm -hmm. um, that are the primary drivers behind these inflationary pressures. So we will see prices start to ease again in 2022 and by 2023 knock on wood and not have any uh you know new covid variant that we can't control mm -hmm. uh, we should be back to a more normal environment by late 2022 2023 yeah as, as you look out you know we're pretty right right about almost exactly the midpoint as we're talking here today yep. um where do you see the, the the industry heading for the rest of the year uh, what, 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 what's your take on the overall you could kind of leave our uh, listeners with some ideas on what, what they can they expect over the next couple months. So uh, as we move through quarter three here, performance is going to continue to be robust. There's no mm -hmm. doubt about it. You know, even though we're seeing some housing easing in residential housing, mm -hmm. uh, business investment is, is starting to pick up. Uh, equipment purchase will, will slow a little bit, but it'll still be uh, very decent. We're, we're forecasting 20% uh, uh, year over year for the quarter. And then uh, uh, again, 17% in Q4. So, you know, even tempered by the price increases, this is still very solid year-over-year -year performance. Mm -hmm. When we benchmark against that, against historical performance, you know, take it maybe 10 years back or so, it's, it's going to be a, a, a great year. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the big gathering cloud is uh, tightened inventory for manufacturers mm -hmm. and their suppliers. You know, hard to get a mm -hmm. freaking microchip today. Uh, <laughs> 
as well as copper, lumber, and all that other stuff, which is mm-hmm. starting to ease, but you know, it, it, all all things in time, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. No, it's it's and then certainly you've got the oh the, I mean so many so much different talk out there about the supply chain shortages with you know container ships that not being able to get unloaded or and all it's been a talk about it like a Home Depot buying their own container ship and maybe some other companies as well to try to get things. So that's uh that's certainly a new, kind of a new little wrinkle. Any new you know any specific market segments or or on a national basis or maybe even a local markets that are uh, seem to be uh, particularly promise for, promising for you right now. You know, Jim, as, as I consider uh, the future, you know, and, and where we need to position ourselves as an industry, where we're kind of in the catbird seat, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's a continued and accelerating push away from carbon technology mm-hmm. to a more electrically based economy. Mm-hmm. It's going to create great opportunities for our industries. Mm-hmm. We can look for opportunities in near term and long term in wireless 5G build outs mm-hmm. and, and the zero latency ability that comes with that. Mm-hmm electric vehicles and the associated charging stations happening all over town. I've seen them here at my local Walmart and we now have Nero cars running around delivering groceries without drivers. in them. Data centers will continue to be a great opportunity and not just for the people that supply data stuff, mm-hmm. you know, data centers consume huge amounts of electricity and they need a lot of power and a lot of switch gear and, mm-hmm. and all of the front end stuff other than just the, you know, little pieces, parts, active stuff. Sure. Um, augmented intelligence and smart technologies also are going to be a, a, a boon for our industry. Mm-hmm. You know, when we start talking about uh, building controls and uh, lighting controls and uh, building automation and all that it is going to, you know, be a wonderful thing for our, our industry. And those uh, with the Internet of Things are just going to be very powerful. Solar and wind is a great opportunity. Mm-hmm. Residential solar is, is uh, at least here in the Southwest mm-hmm. uh, and all through California, has just been uh, crazy town. Modular power storage, not just for residential applications, but for industrial applications. Mm-hmm. What, what do we do if we can't get power from the grid? If, if I can store some, that, that's great. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, the opportunity that I see is in industrial automation and services. Mm-hmm. Uh, programming these very sophisticated industrial automation systems, uh, taking care of them. Uh, I, I think that's gonna become more and more a part of the distribution channel as we move forward. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that's Chris the Futurist talking. So yeah. it's, it's yeah. just my perspective. Yeah, but there's no, there's no doubt there's some big market drivers there as you talk about the, uh, the green, the green Maybe the reconstruct what that's going to mean to the grid as you talk about the uh, yeah. 5G, uh, IoT, how, how that impacts uh, the industrial market. Certainly, everything's kind of intertwined there. Yeah. As, as we kind of wrap up things today, what, what, you know, what would you like to leave for your, uh, for some of our listeners today, whether existing disk customers, potential disk customers, about uh, some of the services you provide and where, where, how you think you can help them for uh, in the near future? Thanks. That's a, that's a really really a great opportunity you've given me here, Jim. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. So first and foremost, I, I'd kind of like to pitch the, uh, the DISC monthly flash report. It's, mm-hmm. it's a tool that not only provides the, the DISC forecast and changes in the DISC forecast, but we also provide a lot of the government uh, data mm-hmm. and short articles pertaining to uh, things in the industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, recently, I put some stuff about the pricing problems. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, I had uh, 
large blocks of data on unemployment and uh, COVID and vaccinations. So you, know, you, you will continue, continue to see some sort of a uh, industry-related economic impact article as well as about 20 or 30 pages of charts and graphs and stuff to digest. Uh, and it's geared up for distributors, it's geared up for manufacturers, and it's geared up for agents. So that's a really powerful tool. When we start to look at uh, the databases themselves, we actually have five. We've got the data search database, which is uh, electrical distribution sales or the supply side database that includes some product databases in it. So you can understand the market size and your market share that also has some uh, visualization in it. We have market track, which is uh, segmented for electrical purchases, the demand side database, segmented by NAICS code. Uh, I think there's 97 three-digit NAICS codes and 1,000 mm -hmm. or 1,100 six-digit NAICS codes in there. So it's a very powerful tool to get an idea of consumption of electrical supplies by, by industry. Um, but the Metro databases uh, provide similar tools to data search and market track only at the Metro level. So when we look at the Metro databases, it covers about 85 to 87% of the national number. And there's a lot of uh, agencies and uh, distributors that, that can leverage the Metro data in lieu of the national data. Wow, that's, that's really something that our folks can, uh, can dig into. You've got a lot of resources out there that you've uh, built on, you know, since you've taken over at this there. Yep. If, if for any of our listeners out there that would like to take a look at what uh, Chris offers at Discorp, the website is D-I-S-C-C-O-R-P, Discorp.com. You can chat with them on the phone at 346-339-7528. And his email is Chris at Discorp, D-I-S-C-C-O-R-P.com. That's, uh, that's what we have for our podcast today with Chris. I appreciate you coming out today. I look forward to seeing you in the flesh sometime real soon. Instead of just uh, talking on Zoom and different things, it'll be great to get out on the circuit again. I, I want to thank you. It was, this, was, this was a lot of fun. It's, it's always good to spend time with you. Yeah. I appreciate that. And uh, also a big shout out today to Ellie Coggins, our Electrical Wholesaling Associate Editor, and our audio whiz today for handling the sound and podcast editing duties. So thanks for listening today. Keep an eye out for some future podcasts. We, we put, generally put out a couple of months. So this is Jim Lucy, Electrical Wholesaling Editor, signing off. Have a good day. Be safe. Be healthy. Take care.